couldn't have been me. I've never wanted to know anything. My name is Matthew Kroll. And Mina, so lovely and dry. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Salt Burn. Salt. It burns. It burns. It burns. It does. If yeah. you have you have you ever okay, here's the thing. Okay. Have you ever had a canker sore? Uh like a like a sore in your mouth for something. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you ever swish real like really salty water to like heal it faster? I'm sure th- this all sounds familiar. I can't sure. th- I can't point to a specific moment in time. Well, my whole point is it burns. <laughs> it burns a it lot. <laughs> also, is a salt burn got anything to do with horses? Like, you know, you give them a salt. Uh, a salt lick. A salt lick. I don't think so. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't know. Look, we didn't know where the etymology of the word uh, of Godzilla minus one came from. Right. We equally do not know where salt burn comes from. If no. there is anyone out there who can elucidate us and give us um, some pointers on the English class system um, <laughs> so that we would actually know where this title comes from. Please email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, it's been two weeks, weirdly, since we've recorded because we got ahead for the holidays. Did we? No, we did Boy in the Hair on this time last did week, didn't we? we? Yeah. Okay, well, maybe <laughs> maybe my, my New Hampshire time has gotten to yeah. my brain. I feel so... I'm going to say this right up front. Yeah. I feel ready to talk about this movie. Excited to. I have so many weird questions and things to say. Yeah. But from a <laughs> from a sheer like performing for an audience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling weird. Yeah. You haven't done it in a while. Yeah. Or, or maybe I've been performing for the different audience that is my parents. And now I'm switching back to to uh, my real life. I you don't know. know. You know what's weird? Maybe this is uh, some uh, hubris coming out here or uh, some cockiness. I don't really prep too much for the podcast anymore. Not because, um, I, I no, actually that's not true. I will prep by watching movies and reading re- books and reading books. Yeah, that, but it's a ton of prep. Yeah. Okay. So no, I I <laughs> I do research, but I don't. What I used you to, don't make a note doc. I don't make a note doc anymore. Yeah. We we have a shared Google Drive, and I would make doc uh, docs um, and notes in there, and so do you. Uh, I haven't done that in a while. I think if I opened that up, the last note doc I had made was, let me pull it up, let me pull it up, The Marvel. Okay. And I, I, I can guarantee you it was one line. No. Sure. <laughs> well, so my notes, I make a new one every time because I want to get the quotes and I want to do stuff. And I'll write down things if I if I need to. But sometimes movies like this one kind of sit with me enough where I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I got this. Sometimes I write notes so that like I'm like. Okay, I know I want to hit this eventually, but I also know I'm going to forget. Okay. And I don't, if there's one thing Saltburn is, mm-hmm. it's not forgettable. Sure. Yep. Um, and so. Is it regrettable? I, I, no, no. <laughs> I, uh, but I, I just think. Um, Unforgettable <laughs> in every way. Hey, everyone. Uh, before we get started, we have a bunch of emails. We do that. But I hope you've, you're having either you're still having, depending, uh, lovely holidays or you've had lovely holidays. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm looking forward to our year in review. Sadly, we. It's going to be a while. Yeah, it'll be, like, gonna... it'll be 2026. Yeah. But the. Um, the thing we normally do, we actually couldn't do, uh, which was the the, the 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 holiday episode, and we do our top ten. We had normally have people at the uh, white elephant party yeah. talking. This time, I had too many people in my apartment, and I had to open the uh, office for more space, and so I couldn't have a recording studio. So maybe we'll, we'll try to think of something else fun to do for that. Humble brag with the amount of people that turned up to your party. I, it was a great party. Thank you. I, I think I left my white elephant present here, by the way. So if you've gotten a if you've discovered a pair of kitchen tongs uh, I didn't. Or, or something like that, I left. I, I did actually leave them here. Oh, someone else <laughs> might have taken them. I've cleaned this place top to bottom by this point. Ooh, so someone ooh. else walked out with it. I'm yeah. sure Zoe's hoarding them somewhere Zoe. inside her little house, <laughs> like making, uh, making, making pasta, making Caesar salads <laughs> while uh, no one's looking. Oh, and, and uh, the last thing I'll say, sort of off topic uh, for my father's birthday, which is also in December. Speak, oh, yeah. this, this actually ties in. Is he the son of Jesus? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he he he. This also ties in because it has the word "burn" in it. Yeah. I got him the season twenty-two Hot Ones set. Okay. And I wrote a series of questions and I interviewed him like it was the show. And okay. we did. We you Jamie did, did and him burn? and my mom did the ten. Yeah. Uh, my mom made it through four. I was very proud. Oh wait. So th- wait. Did you bought the actual? There's hot a sauce. set. There's a ten set of ten hot sauces you can get from First We Feast. Yeah. And then I wrote. Uh, an intro and a bunch of different questions. It's funny. I did everything but film it, right. which, I, which I wanted to be personal and whatever. But my dad, I don't think, has ever been interviewed. He likes, he likes the show? Oh, he likes the show and he loves hot sauce. Okay. So we did that. 
And uh, it was so fun. And then the next day we or two days later, we had tacos. We put all the sauce on that. And if we want to talk about burning. Yeah. Um, that's holy. Like not, <laughs> not even I don't want to get gross. It just burns a lot everywhere. Did the did so the uh, first off, uh, I think Sean Evans, who hosts the show, is incredible. Oh, my God. Best interviewer in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And also just so thoroughly researched, like. I guess our, he does a note doc. Yeah, uh, he does, he definitely has. <laughs> but a then note. he memorizes it. Yeah, yeah, he completely memorizes the note doc. Um, at, while eating hot sauce, which is amazing. Um, Key and Peel were on there. Like, mm -hmm. is it our podcast dream to one day be on Fiercey Feast? Oh yeah. If, yeah. if we could be on Hot Ones, yeah. Uh, I don't know how that would even work. I did <laughs> notice. You know what? You know what's so sad? What? So I love Mortal Kombat. Okay. <laughs> They had Ed Boon, one of the co-creators of Mortal Kombat and the person who still is, yeah. uh, I think, creative director at NetherRealm Studios. Yeah. And uh, it was, I was like, oh, neat, yeah. Ed Boon. And then it was a shorter episode and it was fully sponsored. And I was like, oh, Ed Boon's not famous <laughs> enough to get on a thing. Like, <laughs> oh, like no. Mortal Kombat definitely paid to get Ed Boon yeah. on Hot Ones. So if we could make enough money. Wait, wait, if we could pay for it. If we could pay for it, yeah, yeah. we could be interviewed. Imagine we just roll Sean Evans into a party, like a like a party favor. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. I, we need to start. If, if anyone has any connections with Sean Evans, uh, email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Like yeah. all of these people did yeah we were uh i have a lot of emails backed up here that uh we need to get through so apologies if we didn't get to yours today but thank you everyone that emailed us in especially people who emailed us in on christmas day which i think you requested last week uh to tell us what they were watching on on their christmas day I viewing don't, i don't know if i i didn't want to interrupt their festivities I oh just but you stopped to... it like they were like mom stop hang on a second i gotta go just everybody <laughs> everybody stop eating <laughs> Manager here have asked me a question and I need to answer. Before we do the email, did you watch a movie over uh over Christmas? Uh what did did I watch one? Yeah, yeah. Um uh well, I'm blanking, but I feel like I did. Oh, Die Hard. You watch Die Hard with okay. the family. Okay, yeah, Die um, Hard with the family. Yeah. yeah. Um which was very lovely because my parents, I don't think, had seen it yeah. in easily 20 to 25 years or whatever. It like, holds up, right? Oh, yeah. It's so yeah. good. Um, I think definitively being called a Christmas movie by a few film critics recently, which I still disagree with. I but agree. You know what? I think it is. It's, it's all over the movie and it's about coming home. I'm and not going to yuck your yum. Yeah. I'm not going to yuck your yum on um, that one. I, We did have on the docket, which mm. it, it fell off, even mm. though I own it on Blu-ray. I might mm. still try to watch it for the new year. Uh, Violent Night. Okay. Uh, because I love that movie, but my mom wouldn't have liked it. So we were always waiting till she went to bed but she stayed up later than we thought and then by the time she went to <laughs> bed every night mother! we either were burning from hot sauce and couldn't really take it yeah. or uh we were already sleepy because there's a wood stove in my parents house and oh my god do you just pass the fuck out in front of a wood stove nice nice um yeah so those are mine what about you uh we watched uh are you there god it's me margaret mm -hmm. um which was lovely i i thought uh my two you know my one sentence review of the thing is that I think it's lovely, delightful, a little light, mm. a little light. Uh, I have not read the Judy Bloom novel. My wife has read it. Uh, and she was like, it's a very important novel for her when she was growing up as it was for, you know, I spoke to somebody else the next day and they were like, yeah, this was a big novel when I was growing up. Um, so maybe I don't have quite the reverence for it, Sure, uh, but it was, it was delightful. It was like, it was a very pleasant watch. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was what we saw. Um, nice. I've seen a few other things. My, my son is really into the Simpsons right now. His favorite movie is the Simpsons movie. He loves it. Wow. So, so we're, have you been starting from the beginning? Uh, we've been, we, we pick through, so we try a new one every now and again and we try and we mostly do old ones that I love, uh, which is really fun. Cause I can kind of like talk along with them as though I like, I really know these episodes. Uh, Home Goes to Space, still my favorite episode. Right. Cape Fear, also favorite. I feel like your 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 boy is getting to the age Ooh. where where I think e even just talking to you outside of the mm. podcast, yeah, it seems like interests are slowly melding in the direction he, at this point. You know, you know what's weird is the big thing is that he uh, my the phenomenon here. I know we're going to get to the emails. We are going to get to the emails. But we're first we're going to talk about the film phenomenon. It's not a film phenomenon. With, oh no, it's, it is a it <laughs> is a, a a musical phenomenon, which is that this was a revelation to me. My wife said to me, she never in her life has ever remembered the lyrics to any single song, and she was like, she was like, when I listen to music, I don't listen to the words, and I was huh. like, what? And she was like, no, I don't ever listen to the words. And then it was like, we started asking a few people and a few people were like this. And a few other people were like, they know, they hear the words. And I'm a person who listens to the words and then like can repeat it back. My son is also one of those people. So today he was singing L. Cool J's, uh, Mama Said Knock You Out. And like, he listened to it once and he was like, and he knew the don't, words. yeah, he was like, don't call it a comeback. And he was like into it. I've, I've, 
He he and I are the same then because we, uh, I was at a holiday party again where there was karaoke again. Uh, yeah. I just end up at these places. And um, uh, I was just talking with some folks over at Nebula and they someone brought up the band uh, Live. Yep. You know, lightning crashes oh, um, Mother then, Day. Yeah. And I was like, oh, uh, I, I think I remember some live song. Mm. And I, and then I just put it in just to see. Yeah. Knew every word. And yeah. I hadn't listened to that thing in like in 20 years. So I think I fall into the category of. Yeah. Um, oh, I did I Alone by Live. I didn't yeah, do because yeah. the other one's kind of a bummer. I alone yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, alone. Sorry. <laughs> sadly, they did not have the the uh, theme song to Who's the Boss. Otherwise, I would have <laughs> just done that. I think we've we've been doing a lot of remembering songs. Oh, that, that was actually very popular, by the way, uh, that uh, Who's the Boss theme. And I. And I Responded to a couple of people on people 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 on Twitter <laughs> saying that we will follow up by doing the Greatest American Hero by uh, for the TV show the Greatest American Hero. I, I don't know that you don't, you don't know that song. No, believe it or not, I'm walking, walking on air. air. I never if thought I would be this free. No, I, I only know that. Blind that. alone, no, blind alone no on one. a wing and a prayer. Who could it be? I only believe it or not, it's just me. I only know it from parodies. I don't know it from the show. Yeah, it's great. But wonderful. Anyway, Prashant emails us in. <laughs> Been a while since I last wrote in, which was about the creator. I was bummed that the film didn't work for you, but I'm curious if Shahir is still thinking about that monkey blowing up that tank. Are you? Every freaking day, Prashant. Wow. Every day I'm walking down the street thinking about... <laughs> Whether a monkey will pop around in the corner and blow me up. Uh, I've been following your episodes, um, except for the films that I haven't had a chance to watch yet, like The Holdovers and Anatomy of a Fall. We haven't done Anatomy of a Fall yet. It's on my list. we got to do that. Um, <laughs> that's it. I'm excited to know what you both think of Godzilla Minus One. By the way, I'm typing this email as your, as your May December episode is just ending. And not to sound like a stickler, but I think Matt means Megalon and Jit Jaguar. I definitely do. Not Megalodon. Thank you. That was the MIG with Jason Stacey. I'll take it. I'll right. take it, Rashad. Yep. I appreciate it. I, it's funny. Even when I was saying it, I knew, but I didn't know enough. <laughs> I don't know yeah. these things. Godzilla Minus One is the best film of the year for me so far. As far as Toho Godzilla films are concerned, it is arguably as good as the 1954 Gogeta, if not better. First of all, I think Minus One is the corollary to Oppenheimer. It's not quite anti-Oppenheimer. It is the haunting exploration of collective trauma. While it critiques ideologies that demand even romanticized sacrifices, it exemplifies the rash ragtag ingenuity of scientists and ordinary citizens, which is a hallmark of the Japanese tokasatsu, uh, suitmation, and kaija, kaija iga, giant monster genre. It actually reminds me of Susan Sontag's 1965 essay, The Imagination of Disaster, which talks about something similar. I will look that up. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, my personal engagement with Godzilla has been more recent, which started with the 2014th Gareth Edwards Godzilla, a misunderstood masterpiece in my opinion. Would love to be a guest on your show should you ever do a retrospective <laughs> on that. While my interest was mostly academic, all of these films illustrate both geopolitics and, and climate crisis. I fell in love with just how sincere these films are, and that's a hallmark of both excellent and cheesy Godzilla films. You can't. Uh, you can expect another email when Godzilla X Kong comes out is out next year, and wish you both a happy and healthy holidays and a wonderful new year. By the way. This was a question we did ask on that episode, uh -huh. and it has been answered. As for the title, this is what I've heard, and it's given up in the trailer, that after the end of World War II, Japan was at zero, and with Godzilla showing up in 1947, Japan went to minus one. Hope that helped and makes sense. Cheers, Prashant. Um, yep, I've read that as well. Yeah, we should, uh, you know, Shin Godzilla. I would really be interested in taking a look at Shin Godzilla. I'd look at Shin Godzilla. Yeah. I got to say, uh, Prashant, thank you so much for the email. I have no interest in Godzilla X-Kong. Oh, uh, the the American Godzillas. Well, the the yeah. the yeah. the new one, like, I, but and here's the thing: didn't they already do that? Godzilla vs Kong. Yeah, there was one where they were fought. Yeah, and Godzilla yeah. gets an axe made out of. Uh, uh, really? Uh, no, sorry. King Kong gets an axe. Spoilers made out of old Godzilla like spine bones. <laughs> like I Nuclear don't think this is a fever spine. dream. I think this happened. They go like under. There's a whole giant world under the Earth's crust. Yeah. Uh, so when I keep doing, I see the Godzilla X Kong coming out. Maybe this is the other one is versus. Oh, Kong? it's called the New Empire. Godzilla X Kong, and the first one is Godzilla versus Kong. What the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> I just and that's naming convention. Look, I want Adam more. Weingart did the first one, and Godzilla I, X Kong is Adam Weingart again. Wingard. It's going to be hard to He's go great. back to something like that uh, after Godzilla minus one. At least for me. All right, all right. Uh, next up is Steven. Hmm. 
Stephen writes, so Rebel Moon is basically a remake of Battle Beyond the Stars. Bold move by Zach to put his work up against Roger Corman and somehow lose. <laughs> oh, did you watch Rebel Moon? I did not. I haven't watched. I, I have actually watched uh, a scene from it. Um, you know, I threw it on because I was like, there's so much discussion about this movie. Um, but I, I don't have a lot of patience to sit down and have a conversation about it. Be upfront about it. I do don't, I thought I cared. And then the more I saw people talking about it, no one had anything really to say about it other than they were bored or it was the big, it was, it was the, the, the precursor to what could be an interesting movie. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, that's a, that's a great sale. I Uh, I think it is the number one film on Netflix, but I have produced you a list of movies that I want to discuss before we get to our top 10. There are 25 films on that list. Yeah. We're not doing all of them. But my point being is like any one of those is far more interesting than what I presume Rebel Moon is going to be like, no, no, no distaste for Zack Snyder or anything like that. I think he, he seems like a lovely man. Um, he does seem like a lovely man. Yeah. I um and props and respect to yeah. pitching a Star Wars movie. Disney saying no, and then and then just going and making your own Star Wars movie. Yeah, uh, I think that's really cool. <laughs> uh, Louis Philip writes uh, wrote us a long email that included uh, a spoiler filled conversation about Godzilla, so I've retracted that just for the sake of spoilers. I want to jump into his next uh, uh, portion here, which was May December is definitely uh, in my favorite movies of the year. It's right up there alongside Bo's Afraid, Dream Scenario, Oppenheimer, Talk to Me, and Killers of the Flower Moon. Speaking of Killers of the Flower Moon, I liked how both have a similar take on dramatic retelling of events. I will say that when watching May December, I checked my TV settings to make sure that nothing was amiss because there was uh, because of a bloom in mm-hmm. the, the the way certain scenes were shot. During the movie, I was getting a little annoyed with the aspects that were meant to be shown as crappy as a crappy TV movie, but couldn't bring myself to stop watching because the performances are just so, so good. Whenever we cut to Charles Melton, I was enraptured. I haven't stopped thinking about this film since I watched it a week ago. Thank you for that, Louis Philip. Um, what uh, we haven't done May December on this podcast? No, we did do May December. We on this- did. Yeah, we did. We did. May- and just going back off another one of Louis Philip's uh, favorite films. I got Bo is Afraid on Blu-ray for Christmas. There you go. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to revisiting that as well. I-, I would. I would be interested to see that one. Again. Yeah. All right. Uh, I believe this is the last one for this week. We got from Paul saying, Seasons greetings. Have you had a chance to check out Rebel Moon? <laughs> Wait like, a minute. This is Did like we the Mormons the- at Adore. Okay, great. Um, I think Shahir might hate it. Okay, I found I was pretty positive on it. Uh, as a new entry to the original schlock sci-fi fantasy, a la Krull 1983, excellent pull, or Waterworld 95. Also, uh, for the fact that it wasn't Star Wars, as in no cameos or tie-ins uh, required, they required knowledge of character slash events from other media. Bar's pretty low, but we can't expect every new sci-fi movie to be dead in Denis Villeneuve level. Uh, from my family to yours, happy holidays, best wishes, and merchomas. <laughs> P.S. Currently uh, playing the boy in the heron episode. Well, Shahir wins 1713. I know you were uh, chuffed when folks write in. <laughs> <laughs> while listening okay yeah we go pps i get what you hear about the irishman so comfy thank yeah. you paul um fun uh, uh thing you noticed there um is the the lack of cameos and tie-ins and it's funny i don't know if any of y'all are nebula subscribers if not you go to nebula right now and you use the code uh, the code the link in our description and you join nebula right now please <laughs> i'll say it angrily but firm because i love you and care about your viewing and listening habits but um on nebula uh, Patrick Willems mm-hmm. did a holiday Christmas special. Okay. And, or a holiday special uh, that was about Star Wars. Now, years ago, he swore he would never talk about Star Wars again, okay, okay. but he came out of retirement to do a 1950s <laughs> and 60s style Christmas special where he does talk about Star Wars. And he makes so many interesting points that are sort of one of them being that Star Wars is no longer about anything. It's just about Star Wars. Right. And there are some bright spots with like Andor uh, and that's it. <laughs> um, but Andor is also the lowest rated of all of the Star Wars, like the lowest viewed and low, like, oh. low, like not rated, I guess, uh, of all of the properties, which sucks because it is really, really, really good and shows what Star Wars can be when it gets out of its, you know, its head out of its own butt. So I do respect Rebel Moon for that. I'm glad that it's not cameos. and It's not whatever. Maybe one day when there's time, I'll check it out. I don't, like Shahir said, I don't think we're going to do it on the show. Yeah, I just, I... Maybe we'll do part two. Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll, yeah, we'll let's just, see how this all plays out. Yeah. And then, uh, and then circle back to it. Yeah. A few years ago, I checked uh, which episode this week. It was episode 300 and something. 
Three hundred in the early noughts. We did Emerald Fennel's first film with uh, Gish Shalia Evans who was yeah. on, the, on the show to discuss that promising you. young woman. And yeah. I, I wanted to go back and revisit my feelings about that film, and not by actually watching the movie, uh, but by listening to what we had to say about it. At what the do time. we have to say? I remember liking it. Yes, you liked it a lot. Shalia absolutely adored it. I was mixed on it, which is that, which is that I think. My overall impression of it was that I liked the tenor and the direction of the movie. I felt like it kind of missed the mark. Uh, or it was a little uh, unclear if it fully engaged with the issues that it was wrestling with. Um, in my opinion, I would be interesting to I would be interested to revisit the film and see how I felt about it. Sure. It is now some two years later since that, and maybe three years later since three, we see, maybe. since we yeah. since we did that movie. Um, could you tell us what Emerald Fennel's uh, sophomore effort, uh, Saltburn, is about? I sure can. And spoiler alert you here, I love this internet movie database description. Okay. A student at Oxford University finds himself drawn into the world of a charming and aristocratic classmate who invites him to his eccentric family's sprawling estate for a summer never to be forgotten. Certainly won't be. I fucking love that description. Good. That description is perfect. <laughs> It goes through the the real skeletal structure of Act One, mm -hmm. and uh, it I don't know it just it's because the movie is so much more it doesn't spoil it it doesn't have to be anything I don't know ten out of ten whoever wrote this one uh, uh, hats off chef's kiss <laughs> no notes um, I was. I was eager to see this one in the theater because the cinematography looked incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, shot on film, had this sort of both Instagrammy yet gothic kind of approach to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. look in Academy ratio. Uh, plus the fact that uh, man of the year, Jacob Elordi, seemed to be uh, <laughs> encompassing the screen in every way. Between this and Priscilla, uh, I think we are witnessing the birth of a new Chalamet or perhaps a new DiCaprio um, in, in Elordi. Um, but I'm also a big fan of Barry Kogan. Um, and I, again, was really curious as to what Emerald Fennel would follow up with. Um, I think early reviews had compared it to The Talented Mr. Ripley, which again is something that would, uh, if you've listened to our episode about The Talented Mr. Ripley, know that I'm very uh, enamored by. And uh, I was eager to watch this uh, with my wife on a, 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 you know, like on a early Christmas evening, I think, or maybe the, maybe one or two nights afterwards. Um, I found this movie to be Utterly watchable, completely watchable from frame one to frame whatever it is. And I think <laughs> you didn't count them. I didn't. I didn't count every individual frame, though. I will do now, just as research for the next episode. You don't do uh, research. <laughs> I don't do research. Um, but I and and what I absolutely loved about it is the thing that people are memeing and making TikToks about, which is that. This is a freaky little freak boy movie, and I love it when it gets its freak on. I, I actually just loved the freakiness of it, and I, I think what I loved most about the freakiness of it was that there was a level of provocation to the freakiness, which is that it was really shot, told, designed in a way to elicit, you know, like, squirms in the seat sure. and, I, and i and i was just like bravo nom, hats, nom, off. Nom. Hey, hats off give me more of this uh we even had a little uh twitter de uh debate with like our our most grossest um takes about ha having a bath after this movie um <laughs> <laughs> which i just loved uh loved indulging in so i i have sort of thoughts about the the performative quality of the movie versus its in its own internal logic sure um, which is something that I think it doesn't quite live up to. If if the if the um, if the pretext for this is the talented Mr. Ripley in terms of a discussion about class and um, the the way in which social classes maneuver uh, around themselves, I, you know, like it, it's sort of an unfair comparison. But I think that movie is far richer. Um, but I I did thoroughly enjoy this, and I did thoroughly enjoy. The freak show that this film is sure and 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 in a year when we have been talking uh there's a few i think variety articles about the place of six in movies um where it seems to be we we the sort of observed phenomenon that younger millennials uh are shying away from six in movies asking the question is it necessary i love that this movie was a little freak bag yeah and it was like freaky freaky and and in fact I, like, maybe this is saying too much about me i didn't think it was that Freaky, as much as I thought, what a great provocation mm. of the idea is sex necessary in cinema. 
um, because this film is perverting what we think about sex in all ways, and I loved it. Sure. I think also, uh, as we saw with Emerald Fennell's last film, her use of Britney Spears' Toxic in that movie, the use of a Sophie Ellis Baxter track in this is chef's kiss. Yeah. And I was, I was very much here for that. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I feel as though we'll probably be agreeing and high-fiving throughout mm. this uh right. throughout this film i loved every moment i was watching it jamie and i watched it we were like looking back at each other like what the shit yeah uh, there's so many fun moments i was hoping like you watched it with your parents like i was like oh, well because i thought because no. i thought you were i thought you were watching it in new hampshire and no. i was like oh please let no. him watch this with his parents nope <laughs> uh, and i loved promising young woman i yeah. uh i i think that is a movie i know it didn't you didn't feel the 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 connective tissue about the, the, the tro not tropes, but the, the social topics, commentary, the social commentary mm -hmm. connected. I really did. Yeah. Um, it's interesting when I, when I finished Saltburn, all the things I agree with everything Shahira said, um, I was left, I think with the ending ending, which we'll get into later. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, Hmm. Okay. I was left with like a well. What is this? Not not that every movie needs this, but I was. But like this movie was so rich, and it seemed like as we were going, there was something a social commentary about class or 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 something. And I was like, what is what's this saying? What is it trying to do? And this is before I'd looked up anything of uh, of Emerald Fennel's what what she was um, putting out there, what how she wanted to design it, or what she was trying to say, etc. And to be honest, I couldn't place it. Okay. Because um, while class is all over this movie, uh, there's no real commentary on it outside of poking fun at crazy eccentric people. Um, and and we'll, as we sort of get into the specifics, uh, we'll, we'll kind of go down that road. But I realized that while I would watch this movie again, and while I did love all the freak moments and like the things that kept me sort of on the edge of my seat, uh, the sum of its parts did not equal something that like outside of film craft, I find much to pick apart or look at or or think about like I like th like case in point. You know, what's an interesting thing to think about is the lack of sex in movies and how it's portrayed here and what we can discuss sort of there. Like, yeah. I think that's a very uh, interesting point. Uh, and and uh, it could be a, a wonderful topic, uh, topic of discussion. But like. By the end of this movie, with how Oliver ends up. Despite the fact every frame is gorgeous, I'm just left with like a, okay. I think the problem is, um, and this is what I was specifically want to get to. So I'm going to be, uh, again, using the talent of Mr. Ripley as uh, a comparison. And sure. it is unfair to do so because these are entirely different movies that just happen to sort of circulate in sort of similar areas. Um, and but I'm, But I'm doing that just to sort of explain my reaction to one versus another, um, which is that in Ripley, uh, the Anthony Minghella film, I know there's been Purple Noon as well, which is the uh, the other film about uh, the other ad adaptation of the Patricia Highsmith novel. And there's also a, a Mr. Ripley television show coming yeah. uh, soon this year as well. Um, there is a richness to the detail by which these characters maneuver their class, which is that they have to hide um you know like and then we see ripley himself kind of play act with another class and then be discovered quite quickly um that he is not from there and i think there is a level of cruelty um and and sort of wickedness that goes along with that and what's interesting is that the the sort of thriller elements of that film work hand in hand with characters within that film. So characters are always maneuvering class and the the turns that we get in the story in terms of like who gets killed and how Ripley's going to maneuver from one situation to the next are based on those character interplays. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman, char uh, his character in Talented Mr. Ripley is far more richly nuanced and interesting than almost anyone here. Um, and I think what happens there, and this has just been my comparison note, is that Saltburn has none of that kind of level of detail. The characters are kind of barely there. 
uh, bare minimum kind of explorations of an archetype. And not this is not to say that they're done poorly uh, they're at all. They're acted exquisitely. And, and, and they're actually, they're, they're rendered very well. So Jacob Elordi's character, you can understand why Felix is attractive to everybody. You can understand the kind of um, uh, Rosamund Pike's character, like her level of ignorance of at what she's saying uh, while she's saying it. You know, like there's this understanding that the characters are both trying to be sympathetic to Oliver but at the same time also being incredibly cruel to Oliver without really realizing. I think so. I think they're actually rendered really well, but there's not a lot of depth to them beyond or none of how that plays out is rendered in the execution of their demise. And so again, maybe, maybe just to flip it a little bit more, if you think about Parasite, if the way Parasite deals with class distinctions and, and the way that cruelty kind of, is manifested in characters. There's a far there's a far greater richness and a far more connected uh, sense of character to storytelling. And by the end of this one, I'm kind of going. I think that was a really engaging, fun provocation to the audience, but not one that's internally internally rich. Yeah, they don't like. I think she's poking the audience, and she's really good at it. Like. She's she's provoc she's she's making provocations to the audience, particularly in the sex scenes. I think the sex scenes are really important to understand how the function of this movie works. But I guess what's the function of the movie? I I, I yeah. Then there there's to your point into how you are feeling about it. There's a kind of surface level appreciation of both the classes, and there's no great sort of catharsis to Oliver's. When and the is it the Camdens? Is that their name? The Camptons, the Ca yeah, Catans, uh, yeah, uh, Canton, Cantons, their demise, their eventual demise. And I think you know, another thing that plays sort of not in its favor is that when the film kind of Kaiser Soze's our understanding of how Oliver has gotten to this point, it feels silly. It also yeah. and, and I people can write us in only yeah. podcast at gmail.com. It feels in the moment that it robs Oliver of any character development. Yeah, it, because it, it's he, retrospective for yeah, one. Yeah, because I mean, let's just get it. How long are we talking? Yeah, yeah, we can get into spoilers <laughs> yeah. I, because I think it's important to understand the entire movie. Yeah, um, it is revealed at the end of the film because uh, Oliver is talking to someone uh, dressed rather dapperly with his hair swooped over. So you he think looked a lot like Joel Edgerton. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So you're like, oh, is he talking to the police? Is he mm -hmm. talking to someone else? Whatever. And it turns out that he's talking to the last uh, barely Rosemary living uh, Elspeth is yeah. actually how, uh, Elspeth. which is like, I love that as a character note because yeah. like it feels like her name's Elizabeth, but she just modified it to yeah. be like, Jamie called that out, modified it to be like different. <laughs> um uh, it's revealed that he has slowly, uh, you know, not only has he slowly taken out every family member of this thing and convinced her to sign over his salt burn to him and and uh, he's eventually going to murder her, but he's been doing it all along ever since like the small little moments of like deflating, um, deflating the tires of our, our original boy, uh, Jacob or Felix, excuse yeah. me, um, uh, to so he'd stop and be able to lend his bike and like all, everything yeah. like was just orchestrated and I was like oh he's the Joker yeah yeah and and he's and gonna I, play the Joker in the Batman movie yeah and I'm like <laughs> oh, okay yeah like that's so normally in those moments when yeah. you have that uh, I guess you call it the Kaiser Sose moment yeah in 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 films where it does that the reaction I imagine you want from the audience yeah. when you're making something like. So however, if I was ever doing it, it'd be like, oh, shit, yeah. holy fuck, oh, whoa. Like you want that like, aha. Yeah. When I when that happened, it deflated every moment for me. I was yeah. just like, uh, and, and I think I would have, this feels like a moment in a movie where in a lesser film, I would have been angry. Yeah. And here I was just disappointed. <laughs> um, I, I was just sort of like, why? You jack sense of disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. I mean, you've earned it. You, mm. This movie is so excellent all the way through of watching it. They can do whatever they want. Like it's cool. Yeah. But like it didn't, it did for, for a movie that is full of moments of, Oh, holy fuck. The moment that is supposed to be built as that for an ending yeah. is not. Again, I will use the two movies, the two, you know, the two movies I mentioned, Talented Mr. Ripley and Parasite. If you think about basically how those movies, both of those movies reveal 
essentially similar character points, you know, like they've been plotting this all along. There has been a tacit understanding of, of the type of thing. And it, neither of those movies use it as a, as a, as a giant reveal, but, but our understanding of what is happening is not reliant on it trying to be a reveal. It is reliant upon our understanding of the cruelties between the classes. Like it is really exploring. It is like, the reason this is cruel is because the divide between these two people right. is so vast that that we we as an audience internalize and and are are thinking about the divide between rich and poor really effectively. In in Saltburn, what happens is is it feels like a performative note for the audience that the filmmaker is putting for us. We are not really thinking about the the grand divide between rich and poor or the you know the class distinctions that are being made here we're thinking about how the film has created that divide for us so emerald uh, has uh and fennel has said uh i'm trying to remember where i even read this but like people have asked her like oh why didn't you go deeper on the soci like the mm. the the mm. class divide etc yeah. and she's basically and i'm paraphrasing like crazy here yeah. but she's basically said oh it's not about that at all like okay. that's the backdrop this is a love story she's right. like this is about love and how you how you ever love something so much, especially when you're younger, like young love, yeah. but you also kind of hate it because yeah. you hate it because it has so much control over you. So, yeah. you, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so but what I find interesting in that and that's great, like, yeah. cool, like that makes sense for what I watched. Yeah. After seeing it, hearing some explanation like that, I'm like, OK. Yeah. But there's also that weird argument about any form of art. Yeah. Where if everyone is looking at a thing and being like, that's an elephant mm. and the person who made it's like. No, no, no. Yeah. That is a stepladder. Yeah. And you're like, I, and they explain a, a decent way of how you could look at it at an angle and like it could be a stepladder. You could climb on that elephant and get to the ceiling like you could do. And you're like, right. But ev mm -hmm. everyone around you is the elephant. I, I think the point. Oh, sorry, yeah, I'm just, yeah, sorry. I'm just sort of getting to just wrap yeah. that up. Yeah. Like this movie is primed and, and I would almost argue even maybe accidentally set up in a way to be like, this is about class and it's, and it doesn't, it's never like does a rug pull to be about something else. Yeah. Uh, like, or anything like that. And so when it's not with all the trappings, there is a sense of it for me personally longing yeah. or, or, or like I'm like, I missed something or, or that uh, something was missing in the film. Yeah. Um, and again, it's because it's so good. Mm -hmm. Like I hope I, these are always the hardest ones episodes I think to do because like, I want everyone to see this movie. Yeah. So please do not take any deterrent that I say as do not see this movie. You should. Yeah. It's excellent. Yeah. But it will not have a lasting brainworm thought process for me like a talented Mr. Ripley, like a parasite. Even if we're if we're going to go from the opposite end of the spectrum, not even about those sort of things, but just a really good twist. Yeah. We'll go Rosamund Pike style. We'll go Gone Girl. Gone First girl time right. I saw Gone Girl yeah. blew my fucking mind. And yeah. that's a thriller. And that was a cool thing. And like whatever. Yeah. Like, but that was the point of that. Yeah. This, especially the ending, I felt like it just let air out of tires for me. Like, well, just but, like, just like Oliver did. Yeah, I mean, because I, I just figured out is that what <laughs> the movie let the air out of the tires of the it's story, really like good. Oliver did. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I think the thing is there is that, and first off, I think there's been a little bit of an unfair uh, comparison or discussion about Emerald Fennell's background. Uh, because she went to Oxford, she's you know like a oh, little, interesting, uh, a little bit well to do. I haven't I heard think. that. I I, I kind of want to automatically, even though I'm very aware that that oh, conversation, I did hear that. yeah, I did hear we're that. very aware that that conversation is going on. I want to reject it outright because, for example, we have not talked about uh, Anthony Minghella's background when we talk about the talented Mr. thousand percent. You know what I mean? So, uh, like, I just think it's an unfair kind of thing to do, and it it's uh, you know like a it feels sort of. Uh, uh, an inappropriate conversation to have. Um, so I don't want to engage on, in it on that level. Um, but I want to talk about it from very two specific case points, which is the film is very specifically set in 2006. Um, and 2007. And, and Emerald Fennell says that this is a, uh, a time of sideburns, patchy fake tans, bad hair extension, blackberries, and tiny glittery scarves. No matter how sexy or rich you were, it was hard to pull off. Um, um, she also wanted to sit in a world that was pre-indoor smoking bands. Um, but there are two pieces of music in here that I was immediately um, drawn to and thinking about. 
Um, that was Sophie Ellis Bixter's Murder on the Dance Floor, which is obviously the end track, which is used so beautifully in this film. I was like, yes, bravo. Mm -hmm. um, well done. And and then there was MGMT's Time to Pretend. Um, I don't, are, are you familiar, you're like really, you know, were you alive in 2006 and heard MGMT's uh, Time Cheer, to I believe we were both working at MTV <laughs> at the time. Oh, uh, no, I wouldn't have been. I was oh. in New Zealand, definitely. Oh, were you in 2006? Yeah, yeah. yeah Time means nothing for me. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah. And you uh, remember how big a song yeah, that was, yeah. right? And the thing that was big about that song is that it sounded like a pop song. It acts like a pop song, but it is also a deeply dark uh, and brooding vision of the world uh, and, the, and a deeply brooding vision of like what aging actually means yeah. and the sort of this idea of uh, the the folly of youth. And I think that that, that song has... Um, the, the thing that I think that made that song so interesting was that it was all, all surface with enormous depth to it. Uh, now, anyone who's into musicology or anything like that would probably like, yes, you can find other examples of pop music that is far deeper, but I don't think anything captured the public imagination like that track. Now, this is an embarrassing conversation because I, I just started having, like, a, I had a film conversation with a person who was 20 years old the other day, and I was like, they just don't have the reference points to me. So, like, they would have been, like, five years old when MGMT's uh, Time to Pretend came out. Um, whereas I was, like, in, you know, like, in the prime listening life, uh, listening time of my life. Um, time's weird. Time is weird. But but on the flip side, Sophie Ellis Bexter's track, Music on the Dance Floor, is is a song that is all surface and it is completely like a surface, uh, you know, like it is just a great boppy pop song. I love both of these tracks, by the way. But I think the thing is, the movie wants to be time to pretend, but it really is music on the dance floor and, and oh, murder on the dance floor. And I think it's a really, f like murder on the dance floor is used really fun, in a really fun way in this song, in this movie. And I, I love the way that basically that song got recontextualized and made into something both campy and strange horror. And, and horrible and wonderful. You know, like there's been this metaphor that it is a vampire movie. And I was like, if this is the song that the vampire, you know, the, the, the sort of uh, allegorical vampires use, I think that's wonderful. But ultimately, I think what we're looking for is something akin to Time to Pretend, which has this sort of, deeper layer to it and when i'm not exactly sure this film this film has it and my case in point is that ultimately t time to pretend is used in this movie as like a montage of the summer passing but that song kind of is about the inverse of that now it probably like i'm not suggesting her usage of this of these tracks are are, are bad or anything like that but the way she used toxic in um yep. in promising young woman especially the sort of uh orchestral rendering of it was really thoughtful and provocative and interesting and well-considered. And I think this film doesn't do, doesn't do itself any favors in terms of the way those tracks are being employed here in, in, in so much as, and this is, this is me walking back what I'm just, what I just see <laughs> in so much as what we're looking for is more depth to the provocations that are going on here. And and it's just not quite there. And it's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it's a yeah. lot of fun. And yeah. the interesting thing I think yeah. is the craft of this movie, the cinematography, the score, the 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 performances. Yeah. All would lead you to believe you should do that digging. Yeah. Like it's so rich in all of those elements where yeah. you're like, surely yeah. this is like it's all one masterful thing that I can mine nom 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 and I, I I not taking anything away from those individual elements because you can mine things from those elements yeah but the whole the totality of the parts I don't think gets to a place where that level of um continual digging it, it will <laughs> be rewarded yeah um I mean you can you can kind of like invent fun ways but the movie doesn't present you in well, I just, with those I things. think yeah it's not it's not at least on a first viewing which is what, what we we're both admit, yeah, what we're admittedly talking about if you've yeah. watched it 6 times you yeah, email us maybe you let you us know you have a different opinion about it um but but I think you know it it what it is is really playful funny wry sophisticated in its humor 
um, really well executed, really well observed in terms of the little details that would trip someone up, like um, ordering a full English breakfast at a, you know, from the butler. Uh, you know, I think that's a like really rich, interesting detail. Hilarious lines. Yeah. Uh, hilarious micro situations. Yeah. Uh, to to match the just sheer fucked upness of everything. Yeah. Uh, the karaoke scene in the movie had me on the floor. I loved the library. Yeah. Because it was the one room I, I Emerald was saying in an interview um, about like it was the one room that Elsbeth or yeah. Elsbeth uh, decorated. And yeah. it was so very 2006 and yeah, like yeah, all these other yeah. things. And like they have that shitty flat screen TV and this gorgeous yeah. fucking thing. They're watching super bad. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's just to, to watch like the the hoi, the hoi, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like just schlepping around yeah. like we do, but their house is huge and yeah. they dress for dinner yeah, yeah. is just like, that's really cool and interesting. Yeah, and, and also her, her inherent aversion to anything ugly. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah. So uh, I had, had a phobia of stubble. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. The, 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 the whole thing of that was just really interesting. Also, uh, great performances all around from, from the other, uh, Richard E. Grant. I, you know, like, again, we did Hudson Hawk on this, on this podcast yeah. and Richard E. Grant, um, uh, humping the air as, uh, as one of the Mayflowers in, in Hudson Hawk or even, um, how to get a hit at advertising, um, Whitnail and I, and the other one, um, you know, like he's he's amazing, but I think, and this is a real opportunity to have an actor like him really highlight the sort of absurdity of the wealth that he holds. Oh yeah, um, but it is it doesn't really you know doesn't really go far, and before you know it, he's passed. Yeah, and it's sort of there's not much there to him to kind of mine away at, and and it, I I. I do I, do, but, but do I think it's a missed opportunity? No, I don't. No. I actually don't. Uh, yeah. I, but I loved, uh, uh, Alison Oliver, uh, yeah. Ven Venencia. Valencia. Valencia. Yeah. Uh, also of course, Carrie Mulligan coming back and I yeah. love is credited in IMDb as poor dear Pamela. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that's, yep, that's yeah. exactly right. Uh, and, um, uh, the sort of the, I guess, is he the foil? Um, uh, Archie, uh, Fair, Fairfield, Ma Fair. Mataque, uh, yeah. I'm probably butchering yeah. that, but Farley, Farley, Farley start. Yeah. Uh, the cousin from America. Yeah, he's the Philip Seymour Hoffman character of this movie, which is that they're both vying for the attention of Felix and they're both vying for the attention of the family. Um, yeah. And he's kind of already there. Um, th this is a classic trope as well in, in this in this film, which is that there are the two outsiders that that ultimately identify each other as as outside as usurpers to the to the fortunes that they are trying to get. And um, um, it's it it's played. Okay, like I th and I think what happens here is a sort of like Shakespearean betrayals, you know, like like and 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 in this film they feel a little, um, I don't know what the word is. So, Pat, so I, maybe why I, don't know. I why I was on board the entire time yeah. with Oliver's story in particular, even yeah. to, to I was on board with everything until uh, the reveal and the, the, reveals, and the flashback yeah. was because it felt like a man failing forward, finding something he loved and hated that he loved either through Felix or through, um, through just the lifestyle that feel that the Cantons had, et cetera. Yeah. Um, getting caught in his own lies, having to keep upping the game to make sure he was still in it. And then just going over the edge and being like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm good at this. Let's go. Yeah. And like that to me was interesting. It felt like a developmental, it felt like a cool character arc. Yeah. But then to find, and, and don't get me wrong. I don't think the reveal at the end makes it so he was like, I was going to take this family's house the whole time. That's not what it does. Yeah. I don't think, but yeah. what it does is it sets him up as always being that sort of Machiavellian like mastermind. And, and, and what's weird about that, is that the beginning of the film suggests that he is quite talented. He's very smart. He reads all the summer reading. Mm -hmm. So he's got a sort of depth of knowledge that is beyond the scheme, right? Yeah. But like by the he, end of the film, all he is is this scheme. All he is is this scheme. He, yeah. he got, he was the scholarship yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at Oxford. Which makes you go, oh, he, the, you know, like, I think the thing that would have been interesting, and, and they do play this to some extent, is that, he is aware of the history of the house 
beyond what the family is. Yes. You know, like he, and I think that is one of the betrayals is that uh, he's aware of the, um, the value of the vase mm-hmm. that um, fairly uh, then tries to sell, but it's actually him who's, it's actually uh, Oliver who's trying to sell. And I was like, so there's just a mechanical thing here as well, which is that when the film starts going into these details, it makes you go, wait, how did, you know, like, how did he, how is he planning on getting away with this? Cause it seems like, it seems like you would get caught on any one of these things yeah. pretty, pretty easily. Yeah. And, and maybe not the bike, but murdering <laughs> Felix or murdering his sister feels like these are two things that are like pretty difficult to, um, to just do. Yeah, I mean, now granted, they paint the the family yeah. as the Cantons as idiots. Yeah, like so, like maybe that's where they're playing it or yeah. whatever. But like, I just, I don't know. Like, if if it is a vampire film, and I think that's an interesting read from yeah. some folks. Yeah. Um. Then it doesn't do enough. Like, the turn it takes at the end makes it so. He's a Joker level mastermind evil fucker, but like he's not presented as that the entire time. So then when it's revealed, it's almost like a you're switching tracks of what you think about him in your brain, which isn't which maybe could be an interesting exercise of morality or something yeah. like that. But it's not fun. And the rest of the movie is fun. Like yeah. like everything is played I- for the moment of like. Oh, fuck. like you have a you have a visceral, like voyeuristic, um, uh, disgusting sort of like uh, like sexually charged erotic sort of thing. Yeah. And that's all fun. Yeah. yeah. And they take the fun away at the end. And yeah. For me, for me. I, I think the thing is, is that, again, the performance is so good and the moments of provocation are so good. For example, licking the bath. And fucking the, the 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 grave, the grave, yeah, and and Oof. like and also, um, you know, uh, Cunnilingus with uh, while she's on her period, I'm like, yeah, this I love it, freaking Great. go there, and, and like the shot of him afterwards, like soaked in the bathtub with blood out of his mouth, yeah, like yeah, so good, shifts, so good, so good, even and stuff, even minimal stuff that I normally don't notice, like costume design stuff, yeah, um, uh, I think it was the variety, um. Uh, thing with Emerald was was she was saying like how uh, in the styles of that time and especially when you are in love with somebody you're always very keenly aware of the person you love's body yeah like in a weird way she she films him with like linens and linens light shining there's so much like see-through stuff around everyone that is being sexualized in that way that like it it does a very cool effect to everything yeah uh she said she picked the house because when they were touring it, they they literally had some of those like priceless um, busts, yeah. but they had hats on them. Right. And here there's just hats on them. And yeah. she's like, yeah, this is it. Like yeah. there's so many fun little things like that in this movie. Uh, I just, I think I wish it became something more than all of those fun moments for me. I yeah. really want like, and I was trying, I think this is a useless exercise oftentimes, but I was like, if that didn't happen. Yeah. If there was no like, ah, it was me the whole time, what would I want at the end? Yeah. I think I'd, I'd, personally, I think I'd rather see him like devolve more. Mm -hmm. Like, like maybe he's talking to the portrait of Felix or like some thing and then he could have his dance moment. But like, I don't know, like it just felt it just felt it cheapened it it let the air out of the goddamn bike tire so you know there was a thing uh, you know again playing um sort of uh backseat driver here i was kind of like i wondered what this is not to suggest i understood I, I, everything that went into how the yeah. film was made or that this is a, these are better suggestions but i wondered about like for example, Yagos Lanthimos's film *The Killing of a Sacred Deer*, which also features Barry Kogan. Um, you know, like whether we needed to understand everything, or whether we just needed to be unnerved by the sense that there mm-hmm. was more there. Yeah. And so, like, um, the question I was kind of wondering was like, if we just saw the dance and the four stones and not the reveals, how would that leave us in a place? And also, then this was just me going. 
I just think this is delicious soup and I, I kind of wanted this to be on top of it. I would have loved the butler to be in the room when he was dancing. Um, you know, like either locked in position waiting for him to finish or, or part of the dance. I don't, I don't know. But I was just like, I was, because the idea was that he had usurped the power and was, was now owned the house in a way that nobody else could. And it was, it was entirely his and everyone else was powerless to do anything about it. Um, but I wondered about both that sort of like, I guess what you're saying, which is, could the film be more decadent? and more outrageous and also at the same time give us less in terms of storytelling so that we are having to do a little bit more of the legwork to like understand the depths of Oliver's sort of mind because you know the other thing is that like in the middle of this film we see that he comes from a sort of middle class uh or you know actually even upper class existence uh in the you know uh when it's revealed that his parents aren't drug dealers or drug yeah. addicts or anything like that but there's no like other than other than he is about to be thrown out of the house and you know uh Felix now wants to get rid of him there's not a lot of like we never come back to that we never really understand what that upbringing did to him or how his jealousy may have manifested. It had nothing to do yeah, with yeah. it, as far as the film is concerned. It's, he, it's a nice mechanic to like yeah. get him in trouble. He is just a psychopath. And I think that's what what knocked me out. But he, I think I think you 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 hit something for me and I can think I can describe my end feeling with this. So, a magic trick. Mm -hmm. When you see a really impressive magic trick, it blows your mind and you're like, "Holy shit, that's fucking what? That's crazy." And then you think about it and you try to figure it out and like you try to yeah, noodle the with it. Kaiser Soze thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh when and and when Brian you Brian Singer notwithstanding, yeah. by the way, or and, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, and when you when you have like, and now here is how the trick is done. Yeah. That's neat on some levels. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Oh, it was a uh, mirrors and the trapdoor and whatever. But then it robs you of the wonder. Mm. And I think that's kind of what happens here for me, because again, I don't think the movie is about class. It doesn't present any notable, uh, critiques that I could find about it, even though it is littered with it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not pulling anything from that. So I have to go back to the characters and, and the love scenario that I, I believe that the film is about that the creator mm -hmm. has said. Um, and that's interesting enough, but if, if I'm going to watch a movie and, and have something last in my mind about a character that is so in love that he hates the thing he loves. And like, mm -hmm. I kind of want to know why. And also like, do you really, get a sense of what he loves about Felix. Sexy money. Nice. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, like, like there's no sort of depth to, to that. Um, you know, other than he, you know, Felix seems you know, kind of like a nice kid. Felix <laughs> is the nicest person in this movie. And now granted he has his own things that we talk about, like, Oh, Oliver's the new one this year. He brought home like, Oh, like he, yeah, yeah. he tends to bring people over and this family tends to bring people into their flock to then get bored with them and cast them out without giving well, a think, shit. And I think there's a, a, a good point that's made is that the family is always looking to suppress the idea that they are uh, beyond, uh, beyond the masses. So they're always like bringing in people and being like, look, we're just normal people like you. You know, we watch DVDs. But you're going to need cufflinks. Yeah, but you're uh, going to need cufflinks. And also like, you can see that they're quite taken by the idea that Oliver has this like tragic upbringing, you yeah. know? Oliver even brings up to Felix in the quintessential scene at the center of the hedge maze where yeah. he's like, I gave, I gave you what you wanted, didn't I? Yeah. Like that's even, yes, it was a lie, but that's what you wanted. Yeah. That's what you all wanted. Yeah. Um, and, and and maybe the best trick that Oliver pulled was at the pub, which was when he couldn't afford to, when he pretends not to be able to afford to pay for the round of beers and watches for Felix's reaction, which is Felix comes over and pays and then shrugs it off. Like, don't know what you're talking about, mate. You know, like, which, which is a demonstration of the kind of, active altruism that the family is looking for. Yep. We want to be seen to be helping people, but ultimately do we really care? I don't know. Yeah. We do. You know, like, like did, uh, um, uh, 
what's her name's character die. It's a real shame. It's such a typical thing for her to do. You know, like the, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, was, yeah. Pro, what was the, uh, Carrie Mulligan's yeah. character, you know, she died. Poor, such a, poor dear Pamela. Yeah, yeah. Such a typical thing, a cry for attention or something like that. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. this movie, I want everyone to see it. And, and, and if you can find greater depth or you actually i'd love i would love to hear from anyone email us in early movie podcast at gmail.com anyone where that reveal really worked for you yeah and i want to know why and because maybe you can talk me through it i i i you know because I, I this is this film is entirely worth your time yeah it is entirely it is a gorgeous thing to watch you'll have uh, so many like decadent ick moments that you'll lose your shit yeah um and I think this is a fucking phenomenal sophomore outing uh, from Emerald Fennel that uh, I, I I think I'm now at the point where I'll always just see whatever she does. Yeah. Uh, which is a great place yeah. for I, that, that. That's my favorite type of director where I'm like, oh, new movie. Great. Yeah. Like no, no notes, no questions, no nothing. Yeah, yeah. Don't need don't need to hear anything more. I'm here. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of it. I think it's, it's a beautiful film uh, that just doesn't quite stick the landing. And in a weird way, because the the landing is reflecting on all of the moments that you probably really loved in the film and showing it in a different light that doesn't quite work for me. Yeah. Kind of cheapens it. But it's a real fucking good time the entire time you're watching it. And, and uh, yeah. And like I said, it's a freaky little freak boy. And I like I like this freaky little freak boy getting his freak on. Yeah. It's it's so much fun to like again i wish you'd watch it with your parents i will never watch this with my parents but i would but i would, lo I would love no more than this film becoming the sort of rallying cry for a young, you know like people to get into films like this like position like you know i don't know maybe go watch a guest Benoit film or something like that <laughs> where where it's like um you know watch you know like squirm in your seat yeah, you know, like really squirm in your seat, like have moments like uh, like the seduction under the under the balcony uh, involving period blood, like be the squirm in your seat moments. And I'm like, yes, I want that. I yeah. want I want these kinds of moments. I want to be provoked, and I want movies to like really, you know, like push their audience and like see it with a big audience and and like see everybody squirm and try to like make it through. Him fucking a grave, you know, like, like I just, like I want, I want, the, I, I think that's great, and uh, and I, and again, it is a chef's kiss moment at the end, the the murder on the dance floor, naked Barry Keegan, like dancing through the hallways of this house that he now is in complete possession of. It's like, yeah, good for you, Oliver. Yeah, good for you. Good. I don't, for I don't you. know why we got here, but good yeah, for good you. Good for you. Yeah. This has been the only podcast about the film Assault Burn. Shahir, when you are not lording over the death stones of your slain enemies in the buff where can folks find you <laughs> you can find me tucking in a weaving at my website www.shahirdad.com that's s-h-a-h-i-r-d-a-u-d or at my company website suvanova.com that's so s-u-v-a n-o-v-a uh matt when you are um cleaning up the tombstone uh, uh, of your mortal enemies, uh, you after they've been defiled by your best friends. Where can people find you? You can find me just taking a nice warm bath over <laughs> at my website, uh, m a t t h e w carol dot com for my life and works from fifteen years ago. Also, Skeletor the number four, Pierre Easy on Instagram at PSN, Emperor MSK on Twitter, or Matthew Kroll on Blue Sky. Also, please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. Our shorts are having a fucking bang. It's going nuts right now. Well, uh, it's really, really good. Too bad shorts make zero money, but it's oh, getting really? a lot more people to, to watch the uh, the longer form stuff too. We just did a thing on the real war on Christmas. By the time this comes out, I believe our first episode of our Wuzot Tian series, uh, the first or the only female emperor of China. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is. It is her story. You. Know, oh my God! <laughs> Can Emerald Fennel <laughs> direct a film about Wuzot Tian? Okay. It would, I, 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 I don't want to spoil what happens in its history. You could look it up, but like yeah. in our story, like it's basically at a certain point, a bunch of love triangles with like 20 somethings that are all in Imperial, Imperial power that don't understand how like the maneuverings of court work. Yeah. So it's like basically a bunch of like college seniors ruling a country but like all fucking and fucking each other over and like it's like it's nuts right uh i think that might be a, a wonderful a wonderful film if that could ever be um 
Anyway. Also, write us in. Uh, as I mentioned, we have uh, some 25 movies on our list of like potentials. we got Poor Things, The Taste of Things, Anatomy of a Fall, The Iron Claw, Zone of Interest, Ferrari, Wonka, American Fiction, Origin, All of Us Strangers, Maestro, Society of the Snow, Suzanne, Rylane, Reality, Priscilla, Mini Plaisirs de Trois Goûts, uh, Radical, All Dirt, <laughs> Roads, Taste of Salt, Bottoms, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, and... Rebel Moon. I wonder. Okay, here's something interesting. Yeah. Should because we there's. I, I'm sorry, Sheer. There's no way we're getting through 25 films. Of course not. Um, well, should well, we? Yeah, not April, about that, but, but because, yeah, April, because, no, because there's yeah, other movies coming out too. Yeah, so yeah, hold on. Yeah. So how about this? And we can figure out the mechanics of this later. Yeah. But we could do like a bracket system. Yeah. To knock those down to like five or seven or something, right? Like that way. That way, it's the audience choosing. <laughs> what we're doing to, to round out the year because it's going to be a hard choice regardless. I, I don't know. Maybe we could figure something out. If only know. there was like bitter social media mechanisms for like doing votes. Cause I mean, I'm terrible at these. Um, there are, so, I, there are like Google there, docs and there's you know, free, there's free. Um, I, I'll look it up. There, yeah. There's ways to do it. We've done more complicated polls on Twitch for things. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we could just do a tweet out at some point with a link to, uh, I forget what they're, it's not doodle. It's something else. Yeah. But yeah, that, that exists. We can yeah. figure it out. Um, next week. <laughs> it's one of these 25. It's one of these and 25 it's definitely Rebel films. Moon. And it's, it's Rebel Moon. It's not Rebel Moon. It's Rebel Moon. It's not. It's without a doubt. Don't, it's Rebel yeah, Moon. Yeah, yeah. So go watch Rebel Moon in <laughs> preparation. Zack fans, unite. <laughs> go go watch it in preparation for us not to talk about it. Let us know what it's about. Yeah. Um, and we'll go from there. But until then, hey, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Is it the, are they getting this on New Year's? When are they getting this? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, let's see. New Year's is on, Is New Year's Eve is on a Sunday? Yeah. They're getting this on New Year's. They're getting this on New Year's. If anyone is <laughs> listening to this on New Year's Eve, I also let us know. You didn't fuck a grave. Here we go. I have an idea. <laughs> this is what we're going to do, Shahir. Right. I think this is right. And if it's wrong, that'll be doubly funny because it came out on the wrong day. Yeah. We're going to count down. We're going to do the dwell drop. So you can pause it now. <laughs> and in five seconds, you can time it. Should we, should we count it down by the weirdest six scenes in movies? Can you do that quick? Uh, uh, Ready? All right. So we're going to start the 10 second countdown right in five seconds. So five, four, three, two, one. Cameron Diaz in the counselor fucking a car. Yep. Uh, so you've uh, already lost it. It's already seven, yeah, six, six, five, five uh, What do we got? Four, uh, three, uh, two, uh, one. I got nothing. That's all I could think of was Cameron Diaz fucking a car. Licking <laughs> semen water out of a bathtub. Yay! Happy 2024, everybody. Shape well, of water, fucking a fish. Oh, God. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everyone. Happy New Year. Bye.